It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, June 30th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that cannot believe it's the end of June already. We're almost at the draft, Russ, almost there. I know. I'm so excited. You have no idea. Me too. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find my incredible co-host Russ Cohen here on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. She'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we are going to dig into the pre-draft press conference held by Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair. Uh, They had a lot of words to say, but we're going to try and parse out some (laughs) meaning behind it. And then we are going to do our Thursday draft prospect profile on Jagger Fircus. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube and uh, hit subscribe. Give us a like over there as well. Okay, Russ, they definitely had a lot of words come out of their mouths, although I couldn't hear them at first because the Mm. feed didn't have any sound. But once we got past that point and they were able to uh, troubleshoot that uh, technology there, they had a a bunch of different questions thrown at them. But I think the most important ones, obviously, the draft coming up was on that fifth overall pick and what their plans were for it. And I think the thing he was trying to emphasize is that, yeah, we're going to take that number five pick overall. Of course. I mean, it's 99.9 unless something were to change last minute and something amazing comes along and, you know, he could even fake that he's on the phone uh, when, you know, the fourth pick is done being made and he's on the clock. And I still won't believe it until they go up to the podium and announce otherwise. Yeah, I can also picture everybody else at the table being on the phone, except Chuck just sitting there because he doesn't realize he's supposed to be in on it. But yeah, that's ultimately what he said is that, you know, he really values a top five pick. Um, He was very gracious and acknowledged that you have to be a bad team to get a top five pick, Mm -hmm. which was nice to hear out of his mouth, at least that he is aware of how much work they have to do. Uh, And I think one of the other interesting aspects of how they talk about it is that, you know, he talks about the scouting staff working hard all year long to prepare these draft lists. And he's almost as though he was weighing the value of that work. And, you know, if you trade the pick, then all of that goes to waste. Right. Right. And you can't do that two years in a row. No, well, that's the idea why you should have more picks than they do. That's exactly the reason Mm -hmm. why. Even if you traded the fifth pick, if you had a lot of other picks to fall back on, the scouting department's work still doesn't go to waste. Like, that's basically the point. But they don't have enough picks. 
they don't this year. It would have been nice if they had some more, at least, you know, having multiple picks in the third round or, or that second round pick, which is still bothering me. It's still bothering me. But Listen, I don't I'll know tell you what bothers me. They can do anything me. about it. No, but I'll tell you what bothers me. In the end, like I understood what they gave up for Ristolainen, fine. Um, but what I don't understand and I don't believe they asked for it were taking the 2023s from Giroux, from the Giroux trade. Uh, you know, it's like, and I forget, maybe Florida didn't have a second either. That may be it. But then it's like, you honestly, they devalued that whole Giroux trade by doing that in my eyes. Because even if you love those picks in 2023, you've now set yourself back another year waiting for those picks. And then you could have had a year of development if you traded with somebody else. Like the whole thing, the whole Giroux trade, it really does affect them for a very long time. Yeah, well, especially because the first rounder we're not going to see until 2024. <laughs> and it has a condition on it as well. So, you know, I understand that that's what Florida had and Giroux mm -hmm. only wanted to go to Florida. So, you know, he wasn't a bind there, so I'm not going to ding him too hard for it. But it just like now when it's coming to the point of actually having the draft happen, it's hard. It's it's a little hard to swallow. It is. You know, if, if it somehow, if they'd have worked out a three-way deal where um, Chuck would have been able to get another player or a player and a pick and then put that player to the other team and get like a this year's second, it would look a lot better. I don't know if that was tried. Uh, I'm going to guess it wasn't. And that's where mm -hmm. I think you could ask for a little more creativity, even though you knew Giroux was going where he was going. I still would have been looking for that home run three-way trade. I mean, maybe they tried. Who knows? Maybe. But I think, you know, wanting to have gotten return that is more imminent is absolutely valid. And yeah. it's something that bothers me a little bit as well. But again, kind of stuck with what Florida had. So It is what it is. Yep. Now talking about that fifth overall pick, you know, again, it seems pretty clear that they're going to take it and that they're not really keen on trading down as well. So given that people were trying to hone in on what their strategy might be, are they thinking forward? Are they thinking defense? Of course, they were cagey as expected mm -hmm. and said, oh, we're open to either uh, of these options. And I think the only thing that I think that they said on this front that I sort of agreed with is that there there absolutely is more uncertainty, I think, amongst draft expert circles mm -hmm. and lists and everything about this top five. And that in years past, there was, you know, at least a little bit more certainty about one, two, three, maybe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that. Uh, it, it's really hard to predict what the other you know teams are going to do at two, three, four. So it's really hard for them to nail down you know a definite option here. Well, and that's why you hope that they have a pretty detailed flow chart. If this happens, we're doing this. If that happens, we're doing that. If that happens, mm -hmm. but again, um, if I'm a Flyers fan, I'm more nervous about that. You want to have be more certain about things, and they can't be. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, there's reason to worry there. Yeah, I, I just think it's through no fault of their own. I think there really is uncertainty here. No, I do. I agree. They have, they absolutely should be prepared, like you're saying. Yeah. I almost picture, you know, like in football, the coaches have those diagram charts that are laminated yes. and they hide their 
what they're mm-hmm. saying from mm-hmm. the camera that they have one of those sort of flow chart things and they can just sort of be like oh we have reached here now we are going to do this because that's what we said we would do yeah because i think while it's nice to say that you're going to have that draft day at the table discussion and someone's going to pound the table nowadays i think you just want to be more prepared to me i would rather be over prepared and then ask a very quick question and know within a minute who we're taking then let the clock keep ticking and have there some be some sort of split table and none of us know what we really should do like I, I, all of that I, should be predetermined like before be. they travel right so as far as john tortorella and the draft it was made very clear that he would have little to no impact on the draft itself right. that his role is more to weigh in on potential free agents and trades and the current roster and mm-hmm. and how they're going to work with that and that makes total sense because obviously the draft picks likely they won't see them for two to three years and that's for the player development group to manage and that's why i think john's always nice to me at the draft because i'm on the draft floor so i see a lot of the coaches and team players and stuff if i go get a snack or whatever and i think he's just bored and i think he's happy to talk to anybody yeah (laughs) all right well we are going to talk a little bit more about john tortorella and the info we got about his coaching staff as well as some player updates coming up next but first we are going to hear about our friends at bet online BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league review, and news, including Major League Baseball and all the info leading up to next year's NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. As we have been talking about, the NHL draft is right around the corner, and all of the locked on local hosts and draft experts are going to break it down with insights and analysis for every first round pick. So make sure you're subscribed to our show on YouTube for our reactions and locked on NHL for all of the big news from around the league. There were several questions asked yesterday about updates for the coaching staff, and it appears that they are going to retain uh, Daryl Williams, who was an assistant coach uh, who had been brought in to help work on the PK, but he may not end up doing that this upcoming season. Okay, great. And then, um, of course, like we've been talking about, it was pretty clear that Kim Dillabaugh was going to return as the goalie coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a separate entity from the rest of the coaching system. And uh, Chuck actually spoke really highly of him during the press conference and you know what he does with goalie player development in addition to the day-to-day coaching. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it actually, for Carter Hart's sake, it was important to keep that continuity there. And I'm sure Tortorella doesn't care. He doesn't care, and I agree. No. And then they're going to keep the two video coaches, um, Adam Patterson and Vinny Eula, 
Um, again, that's kind of a niche role and doesn't really. The fans aren't holding pitchforks about the video. Yes, (laughs) exactly. As as long as they're doing their jobs and cutting tape and getting the highlights together so that Tortorella can run his practices. I think that's the important part. And then the rest of the staff is uh, TBD. So it looks like there's at least two open positions, if that's how they're going to structure the staff, and that one would run the forwards in the power play and the other assistant coach would run the defense and the PK. Right. Maybe they're waiting for July 1st to happen because that's when a lot of contracts end. So that's Mm -hmm. fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, if if it's taking them a little bit of time because he wants to talk to certain people, yeah, again, fine by me as well. Uh, on the backup goalie position, which we have talked about multiple times in the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks about, we were kind of nervous because it seemed like they were in a good spot with Sandstrom and Fedotov, like kind of duking it out for the backup spot. And then the other one would go to Lehigh Valley totally fine but they are going to look at trades as well as ufa goalie options there but but chuck did recognize that that would take up cap space and that's a consideration (laughs) no kidding chuck yeah yeah like why this is where you could save on the cap this is like here's well i think they're they understand that and no 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 but here's my thinking this is the flawed thinking in this as things are coming together or not coming together the dream of being a playoff team should be like really on the back burner. Even if you're going to tell the fans that the fans understand what's happening here. Right. So I think if nothing else, you'll roll with the young guys to start the season. And if you're having this great magic carpet ride of a season, then at the deadline, by all means, go get your extra goalie. But why in the world would you dedicate cap space to that early on when you don't have it? I don't think they want to or are planning to. Just the tone of that part of the the conversation was like, yeah, it's not an ideal thing for us to. Then say you're not, and then we have no discussion. They didn't say they're not, Rachel. That's the problem. Based on how it was phrased, it seems like they're leaning toward just having Sandstrom and Fedotov. But to me, if if there's a team out there that says, yes, we will take JVR's contract off your hands, but take our extra goalie. You might have okay. to consider. Do you really like think that. there's a team out there at this no, point? No, I'm okay. just saying. All right, things fine. are possible. I had to call you on that. Sorry, <laughs> that's a big pipe dream on your end. Listen, <laughs> we're, we're trying all, every and all means necessary we to are. get rid of JVR. So we are. just let me think about that one and dream <laughs> that it could happen for half a second. It's never going to happen. That's fine. That's fine. The other big thing that we have to talk about, which I hate talking about, but it's important, and that's Ryan Ellis. And Chuck Fletcher said that there was some progression since the end of the season and since last month even, but he's not even on the ice yet. And so it's really hard to predict where he'll be even when camp starts. And that's something we've talked about that at least from my perspective, I was willing to give it that extra four to six weeks to say, okay, where are we now right before the draft and free agency? Because at that point you have to make a certain assumption. And to me, now you have to operate under the assumption that he's going to be unavailable for the foreseeable future. And you have to plan accordingly with your defense. Right. The only problem with that is so now 
you're almost certainly not starting your season with your number two. And you don't know for sure if you're going to be able to retain some temporary cap space because you don't know when they're going to be able to put them on LTIR if they do. And mm -hmm. so as a result, July 1st, what the hell are you doing? Like this is the worst case scenario that we were talking about is yep. to go into free agency and not really know. It's brutal because not only is there this giant question mark, there's the cap space to worry about, like you were saying. And then it like we've been saying and, and your suggestion on previous shows about trade options that I think Provorov is now off the table. Because yeah, oh, it is. Because you you cannot trade your supposed number one when your number two is unavailable for the foreseeable future. You just can't do that. So I, I think that it limits them from a flexibility standpoint in terms of those trade options. And, and not that I was saying, you know, trade Provi, trade Provi, but it, it has to be on the table when you're trying to reconstruct this defense. And Man, this is this is so tough for Chuck Fletcher. I can't imagine why he wants this job right now. But well, and let's uh, let's really call this what I think it is. This is a very serious injury that they've not really mm -hmm. termed as a very serious injury because you've gone through a, almost a whole season last year, and now half of an off season. and you don't have a good status update on this player. So as a result he's getting close to career threatening. Like if mm -hmm. he doesn't come back by let's say December, then you have to start thinking career threatening. Like there's just, that's where your mind is going to go fair or unfair. It's just, it's just a mess. And I, I think that ultimately where we are left is having to depend on our younger players yes. a lot more. And I think that's going to be high risk. It could be high reward, I'm not saying it couldn't work. I'm just saying it's going to be very high risk. And um, it could, on the defensive side of things, that's problematic from a development. Well, you have Nick Sealer, who's going to play 40 games again. Oh, like he dear is. Lord. Dear Lord. His agent <laughs> knew it, and he knew it. He's going to play another 40 games. And, you know, the other issue is, just because you have this problem, do not rush Ronnie Adderd. No, it's not his problem. And that's that's what I was just saying, that I feel yeah. like it's going to be a problem from a development standpoint on the defensive side. And now Cam York's almost assuredly going to get thrown into that number mm -hmm. two spot and you hope for the best. I think it's a, a distinct possibility. I mean, you know, moves to be made. There's the next few weeks of activity. We shall see. But uh, it's a little dicey, little dicey. This is like your parents have said you you're basically saying I'm saving for a new, I don't know, um, book. And you know what? But we're taking away your allowance for the next couple of weeks because we didn't like what you were doing. And you're now looking at your budget for this new book and saying, well, if I don't have these next two weeks of allowance, like, I don't know, can I even get this book? Do I have to get it used? Like, that's what you're sort of looking at now with the Flyers. It's like they have a very limited budget. They do. All right. A couple other player notes on Joel Farabee. Uh, he said that they're going to take a cautious approach with his return to play, which I think is good that they're willing to yes. have him sit for a few weeks into the season. Oh, I think it'll be longer than that. But needs. Yes. Yeah, that that they're going to wait until he's good and ready and that his health is the focus. So um, I think that's important, especially with this surgery and the recovery. So I was glad to hear that. 
Um, and then Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes are doing really well with their summer training. So that's good news. I, but I just guess, again, to, these to are four on. players we just reported on. Two of them are going well. Two of them are up in the air. And this is like your core. Like you don't have a lot mm-hmm. after this. You do have some players. Don't get me wrong. But this is like your core now. And so tell me how they're going to have this great season. I, I don't think that anybody thinks that, though. <laughs> but it was said. It was said. I don't know. I don't know that that was this time around in an as optimistic a tone. I think there was a lot more. Well, I think since they've said aggressive retool, I do feel like the tone has changed, but they haven't said anything about a change. I'll put it that way. All right. Well, let's put a pin on that Uh and uh, we'll, we'll see how the next couple of weeks goes. But uh, we do want to talk about Jagger Fircus, uh prospect coming up next. He's a lot of fun. So best name in the drive to that hundred percent. All right, Russ Jagger Fircus, uh really small kid, five, 160 ish pounds wet from Alberta. And uh, right now he's with the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL, had an absolute killer season this year, 80 points in 66 games played, 36 goals, 44 assists. And then in the playoffs, additional 10 games, 12 points, six goals, six assists there. And um, I think that from a Flyers perspective, the most important thing about him is that he's a redhead. And I think it's important that we <laughs> we got to restock the cupboard of ginger right. players for the Flyers. That's interesting. Um, I know at the top prospects game, they said he was 5'10", 150. I'll give you the benefit of doubt on the 160, but I'm not sure that that's actually the case. But mm-hmm. we'll assume it is. When you look at him, you can't really envision much more than 170. Like, that's probably where he's at. He's pretty slight of frame. Uh, the shot's great. Like he's got a tremendous wrist shot. Like it's one of the best releases in the draft. It is. And his one timer is a pro one timer. He, if he's on a two on one and you got him the puck, it's getting buried in the, in the, in the top. He's a very good skater. He's not a great skater, but I think he's good. So he can get behind the defense where he's at now. And he does know where to go on the ice. So he seems to find those, those soft areas. He's very, you know, good with deeks. And honestly, he, he scored two Michigan goals already, which again, hard to do. And he really, he could make goalies look bad. Like if he is winding up for, like if he gets the puck and he's just shooting a wrist shot, I've seen goalies just wave at that puck at, at his level because they just don't even see it. I think as he moves up, uh, that'll change a little bit. But, the, you know, the biggest issue is at the weight or even what the future weight that you think he'll be at, what is he? Uh, power play specialist for sure. Don't think he can get into the top six the way he is. Uh, that would be hard. So you'd have to say probably third line. I don't like to right. say middle six because there's no such thing as middle six. I, I think that's a phrase that got made up because people didn't want to say just like the line. original six. There's no such thing. <laughs> no, but it's like I think people came up with middle six because they didn't want to say like fourth line and they don't want to put him on the second line so they make up this middle six but you could say it i think he's probably like a third liner and mm-hmm. and who obviously could score like if if the league got a little easier as far as you know headshots and obstruction and such and it opened up a little more a guy like this 
you know, could score 20, 25 goals in the league. The way the league is today, I don't know if he can. Right. That's the the biggest question I have about him again, just because, you know, I, I think that he's just not quite there as far as like a guy like Matt Savoy in terms of being able to adjust himself physically to the league. Um, but he is like a really good passer and shooter, which yeah. is which is important, I think, to have a more well-rounded offense to your play. Um, especially when, you know, you have to be an active participant in the breakout. So, you know, he's good at the transition play and the cross ice pass, and he's equally looking for a really dynamic pass as, as much as a shot. And I think that's, that's a really good balance to have. And that, I think that's what makes him so intriguing for me personally, other than the fact that he's ginger, but um, you know, he is sort of ranked in the bottom half of the first round do you think there's any chance of him slipping to the second round or do I you do. think he's gone? No, I do. Um, I have him at like 32, which means he could be anywhere at that bottom of the first round to, you know, the first five, six picks of the second. Uh, a lot of good players go in that first five or six pick in the second. Like, you know that. And right. so I think he could end up being in that because everybody knows he's a goal scorer. So at some point they're going to take the risk because he's a goal scorer. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're the Flyers, the only thing that – the only shot you're getting at him is if you moved way down in the first round because you got, you know, additional a player or an additional second round pick or something. And then you wanted to take Fergus, like if you're like 26, seven or eight, fine. Uh, you know, I, I think that would be OK. Uh, otherwise, they're not really going to get a shot at him. So that's that's the way the Flyers can get them. Other teams, it'll be like the teams with the multiple seconds that will have a real shot at them. Now, again, if the Flyers wanted to trade both their 2023 thirds for like, you know, a middle 2023 second, because they see he's there, I would do it, but they might not, but they might not be, you know? Yeah. That's the thing is that it's getting harder to imagine what they could deal in order to get into the second round at this point. But I still kind of want them to do it. And I think packaging two of those three third rounders Mm -hmm. from next year is a possibility. Um, It would make you feel better about the return for Giroux. It would also make you feel better because there's a chance this kid can be a goal scorer at the NHL level, which is something the Flyers desperately need. They still don't have enough goal scorers in their system. So these are, you know, a couple of reasons why I think it would be great if they could do it. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, I, I think that it's it's going to be increasingly important for them to at least make that attempt. And that's why we talk about prospects like yes. this, because y- you have to know who all these guys are so that, you know, at least speaking from the Flyers management perspective, you have your board and you understand all these guys so that should they have the ability to trade into that second round, you know who you're going to pick. And it's very deliberate. And for a guy like this, I think it's it's worth trying to get that extra pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, there's very few players born with the kind of release he has on the shot. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, our Flyers fun thing is a highlight reel for Jagger Furcus. And I think that, man, you look at that release. I mean, it's undeniable. Like I watched through this whole video and I was like, oh, right. That's what people are talking about. So um, it's kind of like, you know, like literally it's like one second in the net. It's like, bang, 
Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. It is. It is. All right. That'll do it for today's show. Of course, we will be back tomorrow. We are going to be talking to Sarah Avampato, who is the host of Locked on LA Kings. And we're going to do another trade scenario episode. Very excited about that. So if you have some trade proposals for the LA Kings, Uh, comment on our YouTube channel, send us an email, tweet us at Locked On Flyers, and we will happily pitch it to her for you. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.